I guess you're okay. You're here. I'm going to read out of the book of Isaiah to begin our time together in chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. Before I do that, I know sometimes when you go somewhere, like coming here this morning, and there's all kinds of different things that's happened in your life already since you've woken up. Let's just take a minute to settle, focus on the Lord, and attune our ears to what He wants to say this morning. Father, I just thank You so much for Your Word, Your written Word, Your spoken Word. And may we hear Your voice clearly and accurately this morning. We know your heart mm-hmm. as we have gathered together in this assembly that we may prophesy, decree your will and leave here and act on it every day and every moment of every day. Isaiah 1 verse 4, alas, sinful nation. People weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Your land is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your fields, strangers, are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation, as overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard. Like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom and we would be like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What a condemning word from the Lord over a nation. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fed cattle. And I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. 
Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 19, I just want to highlight that for a second. He says, if you consent or submit and obey. The Lord's not looking just for mere obedience. The consent is our willingness that we desire to obey the Lord. We want, it's a heart condition. Obedience deals with our actions, our outward actions. We can teach monkeys and teach dogs and teach all kinds of animals to be obedient. But God's after our hearts. He wants us to consent and obey. As I read this yesterday, I think it was. Actually, I was led to this verse and I read the whole chapter. And I saw so many parallels to our nation today. But there's hope there because the Lord says, wash yourselves. Now, notice he didn't say, I'm going to come and wash you. He said, wash yourselves. Flee from evil. Start doing good. If, which I think is one of the most powerful words in the Bible, if you consent and obey, you'll eat the best. Of the land. Remember that. Remember that. That's a, that's a promise from God. You'll eat the best of the land. Father, thank you again for your word. May you be glorified. <clears throat> again, Father, I pray that we have ears to hear this morning. The Spirit of God is saying and doing. That we may see you. Hear you. That we may connect with you in this assembly together in this unique time of our week. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, we just thank you for the time that we have to get together as a family, Lord, and worship you through music, through song, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. And every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. One more time. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and give away, oh yeah. You give and give away, yeah. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and give away, oh yeah. You give and give away, yeah. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your glorious name. 
thank you, Jesus. We do bless your name this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, we bless you this morning, Lord. Step out of our carnal flesh into the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Words and songs aren't enough, Lord. Just express how great you are. God, we can soak in your presence. You are the one who knows my need before I call. You tell the storms when it will cease before it starts. The God above Searches me within my heart. Oh, the highest praise cannot proclaim how 
How great you are There is none like you Like you The faithful one Jesus There is none like you Like you The faithful one Jesus there is none like you, like you, the faithful one. No sacrifice can now repay the debt I owe, or earn this of righteousness that was your own. Oh, still I will give myself away to make you known the name above all other names. Yours alone There is none like you, like you, the faithful one, Jesus. There is none like you, like you, the faithful one, Jesus. There is none like you. Faithful one, Jesus, there is none like you, like you. The faithful one, we seek everlasting, everlasting name above all. Jesus, you are the everlasting, everlasting name above all. Oh, Jesus, you are the everlasting, everlasting name above all. Jesus, you are the Faithful one, Jesus, there is none like you, like you. Faithful one, Jesus, there is none like you, like you. Faithful one, we sing. Everlasting, everlasting, name above all, 
never forget your, your precepts, God. For by them you've preserved our life. Yes. For the Lord loves the just, and he will not forsake his faithful ones. For they will be protected forever is his promise. Such a good thought. So remember, when you walk in the Spirit, you will have the necessary discernment to see the trouble before it comes. For Romans 8.5 tells us, For those that live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those that live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And you can do this by hiding yourself in me, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What a promise. What a truth. Thank you, Father God, for your forgiveness and your love, your salvation, your long-suffering. We praise you. You are the only one, God, there is. You're the answer, Lord. For everything. We thank you and we praise you this morning. out of the mire, Lord. We praise you for that. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
And we decree, let there be an increase in the reign of the Spirit in this day. Glory, 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 holy, holy, holy. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. Where I find my strength in the shadow of your wings. And I will lift my voice oh, to worship you. My King, where I find my strength, oh, in the shadow of your wings, yeah, I will lift my voice, oh, to worship you, my King, cause where I find my strength, in the shadow of your wings. 
Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. For I, the Lord, have created it. And we say that there be a spirit of conviction that fall upon America. A desire for the righteousness of God. A desire to know Jesus. A desire to walk in the light. America, America, America the beautiful, adorned by the glory of the Lord. To do His bidding and to walk in His precepts. The land of America belongs to the children of God. To the sons and the daughters of God. And so we cry out, return. Return to your first love. Return to your first love. See, He's waiting for you. And healing is in His wings. Lord, thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, I pray that You would grant this nation a heart of repentance. That You would extend Your mercy once again across this land. I want to uh, stand in support uh, of the word that Joe brought forth this morning from Isaiah 1. And because uh, I was reading Isaiah 1 yesterday also, and, and what I was reading in there is what the Lord has been showing me about this nation and him redeeming this nation and bringing it back to our first love in this nation. And uh, the prophetic world is speaking of shakings that's going to be used to do such a thing as that. And the word of the Lord presently is emphasizing on be not afraid. Be not afraid. And um, so as I was reading again Isaiah 1, I've been studying, and the Lord's been bringing to me uh, a little bit about faith and and about His covering and His protection. And so in Genesis, uh, I want to have you put up there that verse, chapter 18, verse 26. No, that's not it. Um, 
the one that uh, I gave you earlier, Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, it says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And so, and so when God begins to shake this nation and judge this nation to bring about in His mercy a nation back to Himself, He has promised to take care of us, His children, who are the righteous ones, and to spare us from wrath. And the word if that you spoke this morning in verse 19 of Isaiah 1, if my people, so to speak, it goes along with that, if we will, we will eat the best of the land and we will be taken care of in the midst of this shaking, the Lord is saying, so be not afraid. So be not afraid. And when the Lord says be not afraid, that means there's going to be a temptation to be afraid. So that means to be prepared and in this verse 19 of Isaiah chapter 1, if, that word if, Joe emphasized, is a big word. So if we will allow ourselves to be cleansed and be wholehearted and be prepared for that which is coming, then we will, we will persevere and overcome and we will be the beacons of light to reach out to a crooked and perverse generation to share with them the truth of our peace comes from Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's just a wonderful thing that God is saying and speaking because of his love, wanting to bring us back. And he's proved it here with Abraham, who was a friend of God, who walked with God. And the Lord said, I'm not going to hide from you what I'm going to do. So the prophetic word coming across this land is there's going to be a shaking. He's not hiding it from us who have ears to hear and for us to get prepared. And how do we get prepared except letting God work his work in us? Any area of our life that is unprepared we just say shock us now rather than later God do your work in us through the circumstances of daily life of going through the opportunities to turn the other cheek go the extra mile love the unlovely all that stuff and boy do I feel miserably and and I just need God's help so I recognize that there's got to be a lot of work done in me to be prepared for that day and I want to be prepared for that day so I'm giving God permission I'm crying out yes and amen for him to do his work in me oh God, so that I might not shrink back with fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. Amen. And I want to support what Joe had said this morning. And I think that's a great support. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else have a word, something, a prayer, something from the Lord? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know if you heard, Pete, but did you see uh, President Trump's speech last night? Did you have something, Sarah? No, I'm done. No, you go ahead. I'm done. Sarah, go ahead. 
We learn how to take turns and share in preschool. Uh, Psalms 121. Um, the Lord is your protector. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not beat down on you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. This is the, the verse that I've been um, hearing in my spirit all week. I've had a lot of medical stuff spoken over me. and um, But this is what the Lord has given me. The Lord will guard you going out and you're coming in from this time and forever. Amen. That's awesome. Good deal. How many of you, now be careful with this question I'm about to pose. How many of you want to see just a spectacular, you know, there's, there's normal everyday miracles. And then there's like spectacular ones. You know what I mean? There are, Matter of fact, when the Bible even talks about this, it, it uses the word in the New American Standard, extraordinary, which is extraordinary. There were, Paul was at one time laying handkerchiefs on people, and the Bible calls it, that was extraordinary miracles. That wasn't your normal, everyday miracles. It was extraordinary. So how many of you would like to have an extraordinary miracle in your life? I'm sorry, be careful. I want to see your hands. Look behind you. For you, <laughs> for you to receive an extraordinary miracle, typically now, you'll need it. That's okay. That's okay. I want all that he has to bring. You'll be in position to where you will need. I'm going to mention a few things here. News items. Real estate assessments. Everybody received theirs. If you own property, did it put a smile on your face and joy in your heart? Yours went down. Yours went down. Anybody else go down? Hey, good deal. No. <laughs> Does anybody need help with appealing their assessment? Because you have until July 10th. If you would like help to appeal. We are, we're, we're working on getting a, a seminar here before the 10th, too, to help. Uh, Preston Smith ha- held one at Ray's Cafe last Thursday. He's going to do it again this next Thursday. There's uh, been three others that I'm aware of. Um, I posted on my Facebook page, uh, but mainly in Kansas City. Um, and we may be uh, putting one together here, too, if you need some help or know people that need some help um, to, to fight these assessments. If we are to have a national emergency, and I didn't say what kind, but just a national emergency, are you prepared? There's a lot of details I left out in there. Are you prepared for any national emergency? <laughs> Amen. So I just want one 
Amen. So if we were to lose electricity, zero electricity, are you prepared for that? Yeah. If there was a food disruption, disruption, are you prepared for that? How about water? If the water supply stops, you go turn your faucet on and nothing comes out. Are you prepared for that? How about any other necessities or medications or pet food? <laughs> if we lost power, electricity, electric power for a week or a month or six months. Are you prepared for that? I'm not saying we are. According to a recent report by the USDA, fully one-third of all acres planted last season will not be harvested this year because of severe droughts and widespread fertilizer shortages. mRNA. Everybody should be very well versed in mRNA. They're putting it in food, cattle, and flu shots. I've warned this congregation about this before. Make sure you hear from the Lord before you take any injection whatsoever. That is the new technology that they put in the so-called COVID Non-vaccine. The USDA approved lab-grown chicken. You ready for that? Lab-grown chicken. We had a bill in Missouri legislature about making sure mRNA and things are labeled on our packages. And that did not pass this year. Yeah, and it's horrible, and it's it's invasive on the animals. From my understanding, uh, a pregnant chicken or, a, you know, the egg or the pregnant calf, they have to go in and get the blood and fluid from the baby. Apparently, there's a new COVID wave that has hit China. The pressure on truth is intensifying. Did you hear about this? In Michigan, it could potentially criminalize free speech. They have a bill that has passed the liberal House. There's a liberal Senate and a liberal governor, and it's expected to go past the Senate. And the governor, Whitmer, is um, expected to sign it. So it would criminalize speech that expresses conservative or religious beliefs and even public teaching or broadcasting of biblical passages of Scripture. For instance, pastors who mention the LGBTQ community could be considered guilty of a felony 
as their words could be interpreted as causing offense or intimidation. The removal of specific intent, intent to do harm, they would, they're removing that. And the focus now is on how the victim feels. Rather than a clearly defined criminal act, which is significant departure from previous laws. A UN certified expert on sexual orientation and gender identity declared this last Wednesday that religious communities must yield to the demands of the LGBT persons to avoid charges of violence and discrimination. That's just a few tidbits. There are things that we can pray until we are blue in the face that we are not going to get rid of. That's why it's so important that we hear what God is saying to pray, to decree and prophesy. And we're not praying by our own emotions, our own feelings, what we want to happen. Because God's got the big picture in mind. And we don't. We just are doing our part on the net. Remember that vision of the net? God's assigned us to do our part. We don't have to do everything, just our part. What is the absolute best way to be prepared? Koinonia. Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. It's not hanging out and having a cup of coffee and a donut, which is great. Yes, it's great. And not any donut, but Doughboy's donut. (laughs) But koinonia is a deep, intimate union with the Lord. That is the best way to be prepared for anything. That is the best way to begin hearing the voice of God. Knowing the leading of the Spirit. How He'll lead us. How He'll guide us. When we're not focused on the Lord, and this morning I'm going to start, I don't know how long of a series, on faith. Just talking about faith. I think faith is one of the most misunderstood concepts in Scripture. For the Christian. What is it? How does it function? We have to go beyond just good messages and scriptures, but be able to take what God is speaking to us and apply it to our life so we can live it out. We can walk it out day by day. As new believers... New creatures, I should say, really, because we're not new believers, but as new creatures in Christ, we have a completely different orientation to life than all of those that are not new creatures. 
Because without being born again and becoming a child of God, what really do we have to make decisions, choices? If we don't have the Lord, then we have our we have ourselves, we have others, we have what the media is telling us, what scientists are telling us, doctors are telling us, politicians are telling us, the media. We saw how well that worked out over the last few years. And sadly, so many churches shut their doors. They just listened to what the government was telling them to do and putting on masks and even holding clinics in their buildings. Pastors encouraging people to roll up their sleeves and take a shot that is only designed for one reason. And that is for depopulation. To kill people. That's what that shot was designed to do. We knew that. We talked about it early on. I told this congregation before they ever even talked about a vaccine that once they develop one, don't take it. You do what you want, but I'm telling you, don't take it. And now we have 600,000 people dying every year based on that shot. We are witnessing depopulation and hardly anybody really knows it. Shocking. But the people that are listening and paying attention to the Lord and the Holy Spirit are equipped and ready for this time. Jesus said it this way. He said, those who build their lives, construct their lives on the rock. And not the shifting sand. And what's the rock? It's him. And he gives two. There's two illustrations there. Those that have built their house on the solid rock. Those on sand. And it says, when the storms come, the storms are going to blow and slam against both. They're going to slam against us as well as those that are built on shifting sand. You're not going to escape the winds and the rain and the storm. Sorry to tell you that, you're not. But what we'll be able to do is stand. Without our roof being blown off or windows being blown in. Or God forbid our whole house being taken away. But we have to be able to recognize his voice. We have to consent and obey. What he is telling us, even if it doesn't make sense. Most of the world, and I, I cringe when I hear this in the body of Christ. Just follow your heart. What horrible advice. Parents or grandparents, don't, don't teach your kids that. That's horrible advice. The Bible doesn't tell us to follow our heart. That's what the world says. And it makes sense through human reasoning to follow our heart. Well, Jeremiah says this, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. What do I want to follow that for? Jesus put it this way in Mark 7, that which proceeds out of the, the, out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For, 
For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Why would I want to follow any of that? Romans 8. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Not by their own heart. By the Spirit of God. Well, to be led by the Spirit of God, we've got to be able to recognize Him. How He's leading. What is His voice I have had, I've never had an audible voice. So let me, let me say this. When I talk about hearing the voice of God, I'm not saying an audible voice like you are hearing me. I'm saying what I sense on the inside. What I hear, the words on the inside. They're not audible, but they're still very, you know, uh, strong on the inside. You understand what I'm saying there? Habakkuk, say that 14 times really fast, then backwards. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.32. All four of these scriptures say the same thing. Oh, were you writing it down? Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11. Oh, I'll slow down. Habakkuk. This is how I spell Habakkuk. H-A-B period. 2.4. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.32. That sounds like a football plan, you know, play. like huh? Habakkuk, yeah, Habakkuk 2.4. I should have done a PowerPoint. I'm going to tell you what they say. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.32. That's a pass route with a couple zigzags, just just to let you know. <laughs> this this is is it football season yet? <laughs> this is what all four of them say, and the reason why I have all four of them is because I made mention a couple weeks ago. There is a principle, a kingdom principle, and that's let every fact be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So when you see two or three in Scripture, like Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, it's talking about two or three witnesses to every fact. And that pertains to Scripture. Scripture verifies itself. But these are four. One old, three new. And they all say the same thing. It tells us how we are to live. The righteous man shall live by faith. That's our orientation to our new life as new creatures. I really love the way Jesus put it, mainly because Jesus said it. And I love what Jesus says. And he said this during his temptation as a response. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word. That proceeds out of the mouth of God. What was Jesus saying? What's bread? Bread is food, but it's also something natural. So Jesus said, man shall not live by bread or man shall not live by the natural alone. Now notice how he worded that. 
He didn't say man shall not live by the natural. That's not what he said. He said man shall not live by the natural or bread alone or by itself. Only. Because sometimes we do live by the natural. If I'm getting ready to cross Main Street and a car is racing down like they do all of the time. I don't need to hear a specific word from God to run. That's all natural. Car coming. I'm getting out of the way. Right? So we do live by the natural. And, but Jesus didn't say don't live by the natural. He just said don't do it alone exclusively by itself. I also don't need God to tell me to brush my teeth in the morning. Does anybody? If you do, I want to pray for you and counsel you because you have issues. <laughs> Man shall not live by the natural alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, if we're going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, what must we know? What God said. Right? We need to know what he said. Or what he is saying. Because he wrote down a lot for us right here of what he said. And sometimes what he said is what he is now presently saying. But he also wants to have koinonia with each and every one of us in that intimacy, and that closeness of heart. I believe God wants us to be so tight-knit with Him that we just know what's on His heart without Him actually telling us. That's beautiful. See, that's the kind of relationship Jesus prayed that, that we would have the same type of relationship, the oneness that He and the Father have. Did Jesus pray something that was completely impossible to have? No. It's very, very possible to have that type of relationship in this life while we're living here on earth. That we know what's on his heart. Again, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread or the natural alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Studying Jesus in the Scripture, gives us an example, shows us how to live by faith. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, if you have a Bible. If you don't, just take one from your neighbor. Hebrews chapter 12. Comes after 11. Verse 1 says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now, verse, 12, uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 continues from chapter 11. Chapter 11 just went through a whole long list of heroes of faith and people of what they dealt with and lived with as they were in faith. And some didn't even receive the promises in this life. So it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. What would be an encumbrance? 
pride would be an encumbrance. Notice that's very good habits. Notice that it says every encumbrance and the sin. You see, an encumbrance may not be sin. Matter of fact, most likely it's not. An encumbrance is anything that's weighing us down. You know, sometimes good things can actually keep us from our progress with the Lord. Just now I thought of something several years ago, a long time ago. You know, you Midwesterners always say like the other day and it's, you know, 45 years ago. So it was just the other day. I was working out at a gym here in town very routinely. And I was doing some bench presses and I was between sets and I'm sitting on the end of the bench catching my breath and and the Lord spoke to me. I love that. I, first of all, I, let me just take a side note. I love how the Lord just, He's with you all the time. You know, and He's just speaking and Showing us stuff and we don't have to be in our prayer closet only or just so intently focused on him. We can be at work. We could be doing all kinds of other things. But if we're just aware of his presence and we have that fluid relationship with him and we listen to what he has to say. I'm sitting on the end of the bench. and I can't remember the exact words now. It's been so long ago, but he said something like this. He said, what if you put as much time and effort in relationship with me as you do in working out. What was he talking about? Working out wasn't a sin. But I was making it more of a priority at that time in my life than him. You see, so an encumbrance of those things, it could be good things. But they're coming in, the, in our way they're of our progress and our walk with the Lord. Those are hard to give up. And then it says the sin that so easily entangles us. Now, every one of us have certain things or had certain things in our life that had a grip on us. And, but there is one sin that still to this day tries to affect and infect every one of us. It's common with every one of us. Coke and Pepsi. (laughs) Do you know what that sin is? Sin of unbelief. It's the sin of unbelief. It so easily entangles us. And it's easy, it's interesting how easy unbelief squirms its way into our life. That's not even what I was going to talk about, but got hung up there as we're going through. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, so important. Fixing our eyes on Jesus.
It takes me back. Here's another story. When I was in um, naval boot camp, basic training, I'm not sure why, but one day we were doing all of our physical, you know, the sit-ups, the push all that kind of stuff, and then running. But we were doing it in this huge, huge auditorium that was a massive gymnasium, but it was huge. They used to even have ceremonies in there for the naval. It was That's how big this indoor thing was. And then basic training, uh, especially within the Navy, I'm sure it's pretty similar to the others. They train you to do things as a group. You do everything as a group. Especially in the Navy because one man messes up and, you know, the whole ship can go down. It's going to affect the whole group. And so we were running. Now, running is a sin of mine. It's a sin. <laughs> now, thankfully, we, don't, we didn't have to run, you know, five or ten miles in a full pack. We're the Navy. We don't have to. I mean, you're, you're only going to run on a ship so far, right? <laughs> run to the chow hall. Um, but we had to run, and we had to run as a group, and within a group, and there was 80, 82 guys, I think, was in our company, and you have to run as a group. The guys that can really run, they can't just take off on their own, and the guys that were struggling to run, they, you can't leave them behind. You have to do this as a group. And that's hard. That's actually a challenge, for especially the guys that can run real well, and it's like nothing, you know, they're done with two miles and not even breathing heavy, you know. That wasn't me. Um, but there was this statue in the corner of Jesus. They had church services in this big, big room. And so I guess the Catholics, they would bring that statue out and we're running and, um, you know, I was young. All right. So forgive me. And some guys are really struggling. Other guys are running well. And we had gone, you know, I don't even remember how long we were running or how far. Um, but this scripture came to my mind, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And uh, I did that in the natural while I was running. You come around and I was just focused on that statue of Jesus. And we turned a corner. And then I told the whole group to do it. I don't remember the exact outcome, but we all made it, you know, but it was keeping because when you're when you're going through life, when you're just focused on the pain and the breathing heavy and your calves are starting to hurt and you get that, you ever get that pain in your side? You know, all of you are still jogging right every day and you get that pain you, or you remember, you know, that pain in your side and all that's happening. When you focus on that, it's worse, isn't it? It's just worse. But we're fixing our eyes on Christ. Now, notice what this scripture says here. Because I think many people misinterpret this part. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. There's a word I left out that are in some translations. 
but it's not in the original. It's a three-letter word. Our. This passage says the author and perfecter of faith. It does not say the author and perfecter of our faith. It doesn't say that. King James Version puts our in there. I think the Amplified does. Some other translations. But it's not, he's not the author and perfecter of our faith. That's not what the Scripture says. It says he's the author and perfecter of faith. Now keep this in context with chapter 11. Chapter 11 where all these men and women of old that have stood you know, in faith. Some died, sawn in two, lost their children, went through horrible situations, but they continued in faith. And it talks about this great cloud of witnesses. And then it talks about Jesus. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of faith. What does that mean? The word author actually means leader. He is the leader, the lead one, the one who took the lead. And then perfecter. What does that word mean? See, some of our English words, they just don't convey the meaning of certain scripture. And when we get stuck on just the English words only, it's very easy to misinterpret what is being said. So the word perfecter means he is he completed. He finished. So what is being said here? We fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the one that lived. He led us by his lifestyle. He led us on how to he was leading on how to live a life in faith. And he completed it. He finished that course. He is our model. They just talked about all of these Old Testament saints in 11. They didn't have Jesus as a model. We do. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. We do. They stood in faith through terrible trials and afflictions. And now, post-resurrection, we have Jesus who was, He showed us how to live in faith. He completed it. He's our model. He's our example. He's the one we are to follow. So seeing how Jesus lived through the Scripture, through the Gospels, is our example of how to live a life of faith. And I, re- I say this all of the time. I'll say it again. The Bible's very clear. Jesus, sa- Jesus even said this about Himself. I did not come to do My will. I came to do my Father's will. And then it says these two things. I only say what I hear my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. That's faith. But for faith to exist, and we can apply it to our life, we have to know what He's saying or said and see what He's doing. And and so much, when I was born again and came into... It was the church. 
It wasn't ecclesia. And I was churchicized, you know what I mean? Molded into churchism. And I was initiated, I didn't know the differences back then, and into charismatic circles immediately. Now, I grew up Catholic. Matter of fact, one week ago today, I was at a Catholic church in Pennsylvania with my dad. Their services were quite different than ours, by the way. Different. But I was taught faith, even though it wasn't said this way, but the illustrations and the way it was communicated was faith really originated with me. What am I going to believe for? Anybody been taught that? Like, I'm just believing God for this or I'm believing God for that. And I was even given illustrations and start off small. Just believe God for a pair of socks and before the million dollars. I heard those illustrations. You know, work yourself up to bigger things. That's nothing but witchcraft. That is witchcraft. It's not faith. And as a matter of fact, I hate this saying, well, I'm just believing God. You know, here's why I, I hate it. Because the majority of times that I heard that, they weren't believing God for anything. Because you can't believe God for one thing that he doesn't say. You can't. Yeah, and that's what faith is. Faith is a trust, having confidence in. So for me or you to believe God, he has to have said it. I can't sit here and say, I'm just believing God for a Maserati, a red one with really fat wheels. You know, you, 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 some of you have grown up in charismatic circles. You've heard that. Be specific. Yeah. You want to, you know, name all the things you want specifically. This, this is a bunch of garbage. Non-biblical garbage. It infuriates me. That's what I learned. And why it infuriates me is not only because we're teaching people wrong. Is because once you've learned that and it's been ingrained in you, it takes a bit to get it out of you. And I struggle a lot with that. Among other things that I was taught incorrectly. Faith is having trust and confidence in God. In the person and character of God. Faith is not having trust in your confession. Just keep saying it. That's nothing more than witchcraft. Have faith, trust, and confidence in the person of God. Man. That's where it's got to start. In the character and person of God. Not even... Now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't know how to convey this point. Not even just in what God said, but in the personhood of God. The character of God. Who He actually is. 
And sometimes we're trying to put trust and confidence. I did this for years. I would just say, and, and, and faith is not having a positive attitude either. You can have a negative attitude and still be in faith, and I'll prove it to you. Sorry, I'm about to explode. So there's so much stuff about faith that's just so incorrect. You know, in Romans 14, 23, it says, whatever is not from faith is sin. That's a shocking statement. It's true because it's in the scripture. Faith is not following my heart. It's not pursuing my own desires and and lusts. And presenting them for the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm just believing you for this. I had another thought when I had my motorcycle shop. Some of you have never heard this story. I had a lot of different motorcycles. And when the Lord was dealing with me on shutting it down, well, selling, I thought he was, we were going to sell it and make a lot of money, but he shut, shut it down. We pieced everything out. Well, I sold all the motorcycles I owned, and I kept one. It did not have a title, but I had a good relationship with a lady in Jefferson City because we had to do a lot of mechanics lien titles. That's when somebody leaves you a motor vehicle and doesn't pick it up. After so long, you can get a title you know, and, and, that, and sell it to pay for it, the work. And I was told a title's coming. So that was the only motorcycle I kept. All the other ones I got rid of. And it was a cruiser. You know, it was more of an old man's bike. I had all the sporty ones. I was kind of done zooming around town. I just wanted a putt. That's why I have my motorcycle now is an old man's motorcycle. That's why I got that. The putt around. Well, the title never showed up, but three police officers did. And that motorcycle was stolen. And they wanted it back. I didn't even have it. It was in my house. (laughs) They made me shut my shop down because I had already let all my employees go, and my shop was in northeast Kansas City. I lived in Blue Springs at the time. We had to go to Blue Springs. I pulled it out of my driveway, put it in the street, took everything off I can get that I had put on there. (laughs) And that was the end of my motorcycle riding. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. Because I had learned, and I was in the process of learning faith much differently then. So instead of just trying to do, you know, the charismatic dance and the, you know, yelling in tongues and Jericho circles that I'm going to get another motorcycle, I just said, Lord, I'm going to leave it in your hands. I, I, you know how much I love motorcycles. I've had them since I was five, six years old. It's, they're in my blood. I want a motorcycle. So would you, Dad, help me out with that? <laughs> Over 20 years, no motorcycle. I didn't go in a motorcycle shop either because I know what would happen. There's too much temptation. You just, some places you just shouldn't go. <laughs> we got to a point where Renee goes, you know, you can just go buy one if you want one. Yeah, I know, but I asked the Lord for one. But see, it's just asking. He's not... He's not... Um, What's the word? Uh, yeah, he's not a slot machine, but he's not um, 
What's the word? Obligated. That's the word I was looking for. He's not obligated to give it to me. You can ask God for anything you want, but he's not obligated unless he tells you. Well, I asked the Lord for a motorcycle. You know what he told me? Nothing. He didn't say anything. I didn't hear anything from him. Joe, I'll get you a motorcycle. Now, if I heard something from him that he was promising me a motorcycle, you know what I could do? I could start confessing that. I could also say I'm believing God because God actually said it. You know, Chris, if, if I don't tell you I'm going to give you $100, how can you believe me that I'm going to give you $100? Well, I never said it. We can, pray, we can ask our dad for anything. 21 years later, the Lord didn't give me one. But what the Lord did is when I sold the building that my motorcycle place was in, that year that I got a motorcycle, I got an interest check for the same amount this motorcycle ended up costing me. So it was just interest off my motorcycle shop investment. And that's how God decided he was going to help me. You see what I'm saying? We can only believe God for the things that he tells us. But we can ask him for anything. But if we ask him, he's not obligated. He's only obligated if he tells us that he's going to do it. We do not decide what we want and then try to exercise faith to get it. Faith is not magic. Faith is not saying all the right things. Let me confess before you. I don't say all the right things. I know it's shocking for you to hear that. We are created by God to trust Him. Every human being. If we don't trust him and put confidence in him, we are going to put trust and confidence in something or someone. Most of the time, it's probably ourselves. I was watching you as you came in this morning and sat down. Not one of you picked the chair up to test the legs. To see if it would support your weight. You just came in and sat down on it. You exercised trust. Confidence. See, I was a youth pastor for nine years. I don't sit down on anything without checking it. Is there gum on it? Is there one of those little fart machine things? Have the legs already been taken off and they're just sitting there? Look, I've had all kinds of things happen. I talked about water earlier, but most of you probably went to your sink. You looked like you did this morning anyway. And you turned on your faucet and water came out. Now, if you haven't had a water problem, you probably didn't even think about it. You're just automatic. You just trust the water's coming out. We exercise faith all day long. Trust and confidence. Trust is essential in all of our relationships, but absolutely critical in our relationship with our dad. 
I don't like saying it this way, but I will just to make a point. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. There is no fiat currency. There's no dollar bills. There's no digital dollars or digital currency or anything else of how you buy and sell and trade and all of those things in the kingdom. It's all by faith. Faith is not mystical. It's not something out there we can't explain. It's not magical. It's not believing hard enough. Oh, let me tell you some stories. I won't. Because of my misunderstanding of faith and the way I was being taught, I used to grunt. Try to believe my believe hard. You, are, anybody, you don't have to admit to this. But I would try as hard as I could to remove all doubt from my mind. Uh, And I would start confessing and saying it. When I had my motorcycle shop, there was, you know, it's seasonal work, so it's it's difficult. It's just feast and famine and, you know, you're making a lot of money in the summer and making nothing in the winter. And it's it's really a tough type of seasonal work like that. And I remember I was in need of some money. And I would go to my shop. I'm just being honest with you. I would go to my, my business early in the morning before we opened it up and definitely before any employees showed up. And I would walk around with the lights off and I did everything I was taught to do. I was praying in tongues. I was yelling at the devil. I was commanding money to come. I did it all, man. I danced. I jigged. I did everything but slither on the ground. And hang for my chandeliers just because I didn't have chandeliers. I did it all. And I did it for a while. And I want to tell you, that came. And my wife one day, actually she did it more on one day and more occasions, she goes, let me see your books. Are you giving? Huh? Yeah, you tithing? You giving? Uh, Don't look at those. Don't look. God already said things about money. And nowhere in Scripture does He say to chant and run around and tell money to come. That's not faith. Now, if you're doing what God has already told you to do, and then He tells you to pray or say or do, then that's fine. But that's not God's way of of doing things. Yes. And then saying and doing whatever he's telling us to say and do. Mm -hmm. Faith is not making decisions on what we think is best. I think Adam and Eve proved that in the garden. Just saying. But it's interesting how many Christian parents raise their kids that way. 
feeding on the tree of knowledge of good and evil, making decisions based on what we think, human reasoning. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Again, there's a word here that's not in the original. That's the word comes. It reads more like faith by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Not that it's a big error about comes. But faith is contained in the word. It's present in the word. I want to close with this, even though I have a lot more, but we'll come back next week and pick it up. And this is Romans chapter 4, verse, I think it's 18. Yeah, but let me start with verse 16. So it's Romans 4, 16. Uh, Let's just go back to 13. It's probably a little bit. For the promise to Abraham, so this is talking about Abraham, and Abraham is what to us? Father of faith, right? He's a father of many nations. He's the father of faith. Abraham was never a Christian. Did you know that? (laughs) Abraham was not a Christian. Matter of fact, he grew up an idol worshiper. All right. But the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs of faith or heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no violation. For this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace. So that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Abraham's a great study in the simplicity of faith. Abraham, get up and move. Okay. And he did it. That's, that's faith. Abraham didn't say, hey, I think I'm going to get up and move. God, would you just bless me in my move? No, he heard from God and he obeyed. A uh, father of many, verse 17, uh, as it is written, a father of many nations, have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Verse 18, let's hone in on this. In hope against hope, He believed. Real quick, we'll we'll look at this later, but many people, I believe, I've seen it over the years, confuse hope and faith. Hope is future. We don't hope for things that we presently have. Hope is always in the future. But true biblical hope is based on what God says is going to happen. Faith is present. Now faith is. It's what I am saying or doing now. Is faith, it's trust and having trust and confidence in God. In hope against hope, he believed. This is so important, especially those of you that are in need of a physical healing or a miracle in your life. 
This is so very important right here. In hope against hope. Abraham had a God-given hope for the future. That he was going to have a son, an heir. But natural hope said it's impossible. Because of his age and the deadness of his wife's womb. That's having hope against hope. And sometimes we'll get this diagnosis that the doctors have no answer for. There's no hope. But hope in God, hope against hope. This is where Abraham was. So that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. That's a quote from God. Abraham had a quote, had a word from God that he was going to be a father of many nations without children. (coughs) He's an old man in the deadness of his wife's womb. In the natural, it was impossible. God waited on purpose, I believe. That it was not going to happen naturally. This is going to be supernatural. It's going to be all me. Nobody's going to be able to say, Abraham, that, you know, well, maybe. No, it was all God. Verse 19. Very important. It'll be on the test. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. What does this say? Without becoming weak in faith. Boy, he had a bad attitude here. He had a negative. You just got to be positive, Abraham. This is not New Age mysticism. He contemplates, he, I can't have a kid. She can't have a kid. It's impossible. The doctor says I have an incurable disease. There's no fix. It's impossible. What am I saying? No, wait a minute. What I'm saying is, don't worry about that. You can look at that. You can say, look, I've got this. This is attacking my body. That's not a lack of faith. Abraham did it. When you just say, well, I'm just healed by... If you're sick, coughing, bleeding, whatever, I'm just healed by Jesus Christ. No, you're sick. Admit that you're sick is okay. Saying you're not sick is really lying. Abraham contemplated his own body. He looked at it. Look, we can't. This is impossible. We've been taught magic. And I think that's one reason why we're not seeing the miracles and the healings and the things that we ought to be seeing. You know, those ordinary everyday miracles, not the extraordinary ones. He contemplated his own body now as good as dead since... (laughs) I'm good. I'm as good as dead. Think about that. In today's positive, you got to say everything just right. 
Abraham's saying, and he's our father in the faith. I'm as good as dead. She's as good as dead. We're dead. This ain't happening. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. Even though you look at the doctor's report, you hear what he says. You see the effect in the mirror or wherever. Yet, I have hope against natural hope. Because of what God is what Jesus did on the cross and what God says. So don't think you have to get your mind so in the positive. You can say, I'm sick. That's why last two weeks ago I stood up here and said, Look, I got kidney stones. That's the truth. I had a CAT scan. We have pictures. I can say, hey, I don't have kidney stones. I don't have them. I'd be lying to you. See, our faith has to grow. It, mature, that's, that's a good word, mature. My wife's telling me that all the time. Joe, you need to... <laughs> no, <it's good. laughs> that's why people think I'm younger than I really am because of the way I act. That's how I'm judged. <laughs> Yeah. Let's read this again. Without becoming weak in faith. Faith is what? It's not being positive. It's not saying all the right things. It's not doing all the right things. It's not a works. It's having trust and confidence in God, period, because of who God is. That's it. It's just, I trust God. If God says the sky is purple, red, and green, and I look up and see it's blue, if God said it's purple, it's purple, red, and green. Now, you'd probably think I was weird if he said that, or I said that he said that. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, that's the reality of the situation in the natural. But what happens so often is that is our gauge. That's what we're really going by right there. But no, what did God say? There's another story. We'll look at this later, too. I think Jesus was talking to Peter. I know he was talking to his disciples, one of them or all of them. And he, remember, he sent him on the boat and he said, go to the other side. Go to the other side. He didn't go with him. It was a bad storm that night. Things looked really, really bad. You know where the faith is? What did Jesus say? We're going to the other side. It may be really bad on the way, but we're going to make it. You remember, and there was another time he told Peter. You remember Peter, uh, this was talking about John. Jesus makes a statement. They think John's going to live forever. Uh, Peter also said to to. You know, this was after the resurrection and and Peter and Jesus is having that, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? And um, 
So all of this. And then he says, Jesus, what about that guy? Talking about John. And Jesus is like, don't worry about him. Don't, don't worry about him. Yeah, if I want him to remain, you don't worry about him. And then Jesus made this, I don't know if it was within the same context, but he made this other this comment to Peter. He said, Peter, when you grow old, you're going to be led where you don't want to go. So many times we miss these little things. Where's the faith in that? Jesus just said to Peter, when you grow old. So everything he went through in his life, Jesus said, I'm going to grow old. I'm not dying yet. You understand what I'm saying? We miss these little things. He said, when you grow old, this is going to happen. Oh, I'm going to grow old. Praise God. Now I can, I have faith. I can trust him. See, that also gives, for, especially for Peter but, uh, or Paul, Paul too, that courage that was needed to be able to accomplish the things that he was called to accomplish. You see what I'm saying there? Faith begins where the will of God is known, but we've got to know what God's will is. For all of us in this room, it should not be a question whether healing is ours or not. That should be an established fact from Scripture because Jesus, God's already taken care of that. Healing is the children's bread. When you go to Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, it tells us that Jesus took our sicknesses and diseases and nailed them to the cross. It's, it's part of the work of the cross. But we know that Jesus healed all kinds of different ways, the means by which we are healed. Maybe he wants you to speak to your body. Maybe he wants you to ask a friend to pray. Maybe he wants you to stop eating something or start eating something or stop drinking something or start drinking something. Or maybe he wants you to run around a building three times and stand on your head for an hour. I don't know. But we've trained people to just be prayed for without hearing what is God saying. I've had the Lord speak to me, call the doctor. I'm not against doctors. What I'm for is whatever God's saying. That's it. What is he actually saying? Not being led by emotion, not being led by fear, doubt, unbelief. But what is the Lord speaking? And soon I want to get into talking about and trying to help. It's very difficult, but I at least have struggled with this is teaching how to hear accurately from the Lord. I think that's one of the things many Christians struggle with, is hearing from the Lord, distinguishing His, his I say voice again, but it's not audible, from all the other voices, impressions, and leadings that are out there. The largest one is ours. <laughs> and the enemy has a voice too, and he disguises it. Amen.
Father, thank you so much for your word again. Thank you for this congregation. I pray that they would have ears to hear, eyes to see what the Spirit of God is doing. I pray, Father, they would be filled with your Spirit. They would be immersed in your Spirit day by day, a fresh infilling of your Spirit with power. Father, that you would have your way and your will in each one of us. That, God, we would be so saturated with you and your spirit. We would hear your voice, hear your, the leading, see the leading of the spirit of God so accurately, Father, that others would be attracted to that. How do you do that? Who, how do you know this? Father, I pray for the gifts of the spirit to be in manifestation at all times in all of us, Father, everywhere we go, in the store, the workplace, the neighborhood, family, that we would hear accurately from you. And God, I pray too, as I typically do, that everything that we say and everything we do bring glory to your name. Amen and amen. Love you guys. Enjoy your day. Of We got a couple days of low humidity, and then it's coming back. <laughs>